Welcome everybody, so great to have you with us here today. I want to uh, start the service here with a special word of prayer. As you uh, all have read and heard, uh, Officer Dan Roca gave his life in the line of duty here on Friday. And, uh, you know, we all have thought these thoughts on occasion that those who serve in law enforcement are on the front lines and their lives are in uh, such a perilous state at all times. Dan leaves behind a wife. He uh, leaves behind two sons and uh, served faithfully for the Everett Police Department. And we want to pray for his family. We want to pray for the uh, Everett PD family uh, at large. Uh, we want to pray for even the larger law enforcement family, uh, many of which are a part of our church family here as well. So would you join me as we uh, pray? In fact, I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and let's just pray together that God will bless uh, this family and the expanded circle of families. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and ask for your comfort during this time of extraordinary grief. Be with the Roca family. Be with Dan's widow and their two sons. Be with their extended family, some who have been a part of our church. God, we just pray for your comfort and strength and presence in such a profound way as only you can do. Help them, Lord. Strengthen them during this really hard time. And God, we also pray for the Everett PD family and the larger law enforcement family as this touches each and every one of them in a very, very specific way. God, we want to be faithful to pray. We want to help shoulder the pain and the burden through prayer. And God, we just pray that you will place it upon our heart every day this week to offer prayers for the Roca family and all those who serve in law enforcement. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their courage. Thank you for the work they do to take care of the rest of us, keep us safe, and provide what we need. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious and powerful name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's a little hard to segue from uh, a prayer like that and a conversation about that to uh, anything else, but I'm going to do my best. One of the things that I do want to just emphasize is that we are kicking off Easter, Sun uh, Easter Sunday, uh, <laughs> Easter celebration as we approach for Easter Sunday, next uh, Sunday, as you already heard, and we're going to be talking about the cross, and there's no greater symbol or... Uh, picture of love. We've been talking about living, loving, and leading like Jesus. There's no greater picture than the cross. God so loved the world that he sent his son, and Jesus loved us so much he came in order to die on the cross for our sins. Powerful, powerful to think about. And so we're looking forward to that. You know, I shared the statistic with a, a couple of groups recently. Uh, according to those who study these things, 82% of unchurched friends of churched Christian people, 82% would come if they were invited, but only 2%, only 2% of Christians invite those friends to church. Let's change that this Easter. Can I hear a big amen to that? Let's all go out of our way and invite someone. Invite your friends, your neighbors, invite a couple enemies just for the fun of it. And let's just invite people to come and celebrate. We have extra services, various times. There's a place for everybody to be involved. And of course, also we'll be online for those that would prefer to worship that way. 
I want to take just a couple of moments as we uh, get ready to dive into our final message on the Ten Commandments, just to say a big thank you for all that you're doing to help uh, live, love, and lead like Jesus. You know, uh, as we build back from uh, our COVID experience, it's exciting to, to celebrate a few things. You know, our goal was to kind of replenish our membership here at BCA. And if you've not considered becoming a member, I encourage you to take that step become a part of the core of BCA. We have a special membership class today where there's a bunch coming. Another one in May that uh, we would encourage you to uh, sign up for right now and just go ahead and fill that out online or on the card. You know, we're hoping to add 25. I think it'll be closer to 50 new members here this spring. And we're very excited about that. You know, we also are very excited to be building back our volunteer team and we are up right at 400 volunteers. Would you put your hands together and celebrate that? 400 people serving on a regular basis in compassion and children and youth and first impressions and all over the uh, church. You know, we have, uh, without a hitch, uh, supported 80 missionaries and all their projects during these past three years and continue to do that. We have five global church partnerships sending out two storm teams this year, getting ready to add a sixth global church partnership in Portugal, and we're raising $150,000 over the course of these next two years to build the church in Duras, uh, Albania, and more. And so I'm grateful as we continue to live, love, and lead like Jesus. Over $15,000 has come in for the crisis relief efforts through BCA for Ukraine. Put your hands together and celebrate that. That's awesome. Really appreciate that. We're building more classes and groups for more people to on-ramp, several new classes starting here again in May. Really excited about those growth opportunities. And uh, our Bethany Compassion Center team reminds me that we are on track again this year to uh, reach out in the love of Christ as we live, love, and lead like Christ with 50,000 acts of compassion again here in 2022. Let's put our hands together and celebrate that as well. I think it's great to just think about the many things God's doing uh, in our ranks as we continue to rebuild from what's been a, a crazy couple of years. So thank you for all that you do. As Adam said, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you for your faithfulness in attending in person or online. Thank you for serving. Thank you for all you do to make this such a great church. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I have shared for the last several weeks, in fact, uh, about the last six months, that as a Christian, I want to live in the center of three circles. And that's where we talk about living, loving, and leading like Jesus. And there's really, in this Venn diagram, three big circles that really kind of make that up that I think we all need to think deeply about. The first one that we've been talking about is biblical morality. And last fall and the beginning of this year, we've been talking about the Ten Commandments and the Eight Beatitudes. But I also need to fulfill biblical purposes, and that's the Great Commission, the Great Commandment. So I cannot use my morality as a billy club to beat on people. I need to somehow figure out to anchor deep in what I believe, but also build bridges to lost people who are far from God and on their way to a Christless eternity. We are here with the purpose of being his ambassadors and witnesses. But I also need to flesh out biblical virtues, which is really the love ethic of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13 and, and Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. Love needs to emanate from my life. This is the vision of our church, to live, love, and lead like Jesus. We want to believe deeply. We want to reach passionately, and we want to love fiercely. And over the course of about a year's period of time, we're walking through these three circles talking about loving fiercely during Easter and really after Easter in greater detail, 
as we take a look at what it means to be Christ-like in every way we possibly can. There are two key verses that drive me. One is Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. I quote that verse often to myself, and I ask myself often the question, Jesus Christ in me, am I allowing you to flourish and flow out of me in a way that brings you pleasure, in a way that glorifies you? I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, it's Christ living in me, flourishing and flowing from me. And the other verse, of course, is an easier one to memorize, and <laughs> that's in John 3.30. Uh, John the Baptist said, may he increase and may I decrease. May he become greater and may I become less. More of God and less of me. Say that with me. More of God and less of me. More of God and less of me. More of God and less of me as a model for life. Lord Christ of God, may you increase. May you become greater. And may I become less. The motto of our lives. Now, as I mentioned, this is the final message in this series on the Big Ten the Ten Commandments, and we have talked about filtering our lives through the Ten Commandments, uh, the eight Beatitudes that we studied one by one in the fall, and then, of course, the ethic of love, 1 Corinthians 13. As our life is filtered through these areas, the Ten Commandments specifically, my hope and prayer is that the impurities and the contaminants and the things that bring displeasure to the Lord are filtered out of our lives and we become more refined and purified and more Christ-like and more fully devoted disciples to where we more than ever before live and love and lead like Jesus. We become more sold out and committed to serve the Savior than ever, ever before. Ask yourself, where do I need to step up? Where do I need to grow up? Where do I need to mature up? <laughs> Where do I need to become more and more like you, Lord? That's a great prayer to pray at the outset of this message. And I invite you to join me in doing that. The Ten Commandments are God's ideals for you and me. And the foundation stone upon which Jesus built his life and ministry. The Ten Commandments, and then upon that he built the Eight Beatitudes and the entire Sermon on the Mount, and then, of course, throughout the entire Gospels. You know, we have talked about these Ten Commandments, we've zoomed in and looked at exactly what the Scripture has said about them, and then we've zoomed out and looked at kind of the bigger picture uh, that, that Scripture gives us. You know, the first commandment is one God. You know, we, we zoom in on that, and we see one and only God, and then, and then we zoom out, and we see the bigger picture about only one God, because in that day, Moses was talking to an Israel that was living in a time where there were over 24 gods in Egypt, and they were on their way to Canaan, where there was over 120 gods. And they wanted to, Moses wanted to make sure, God wanted to make sure, hey, there's only one. It's me. That's it. The entire Ten Commandments are built on this one powerful first, first commandment. And then no idols. Unadulterated allegiance to Jesus Christ is what I see when we zoom out. Lord, may there be no idols, no anything else that takes your place in my life. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. You know, that's more than a command about swearing. It's about how can I fear and revere the Lord more and more and more and more and more? How can I fear him and revere him? How can I honor him more in my life? You know, don't uh, forget to keep the Sabbath. You know, keeping the Sabbath is more than just going to church uh, on Sunday. 
uh, although that's a good uh, habit, spiritual discipline to be a part of. But every time we come to the Sabbath, we need to rest. We need to remember all the wonderful things God has done for us. And we need to take time to reorder our life in areas where maybe we're off track. I love that about the Sabbath. Rest, the principle of rest, principle of remembering, having gratitude for what Christ has done. And then where do I need to reorder my life? Where am I out of alignment? That's a great thing to do every seven days. And then, then we looked at uh, you know, the, the second tablet, if you will, that talked about loving people, honor father and mother. We talked about honoring our parents and then parents honing their children. We talked a lot about parenting on that particular Sunday. No murder on this particular week. We, we uh, zoomed in, don't murder, but we also zoomed out. And that was our Sanctity of Human Life Sunday where we talked about the theology of life and about abortion and euthanasia and homicide, of course, and, and even suicide. After that, that message, I had a, a lady uh, contact me and say, hey, I need to talk to you about suicide. I have a, a relative who recently committed suicide. And we met, we talked that through and prayed about it. I mean, these are real things. No adultery. You know, we zoom in and say, you know, no adultery. But it really talks about more than just don't be a cheat. It talks about being faithful and, uh, and uh, building fidelity in your family. Faithfulness and fidelity in your family. We talked about uh, no stealing and, and no lying. We grouped those together and talked about character. We need to be people. We talked about three concentric circles, people of integrity, and then people of virtue, and then people of ethics. Am I integrous? Am I virtuous? Am I ethical? We talked about the story of Achan as an illustration of how not to be. And then today we're going to talk about coveting, what it means to be generous, and what it means to be content. I like to think of these Ten Commandments in two tablets. The first one is all about loving God, and the second one is all about loving people. And today we look at the, the last of the second tablet as we look at Do Not Covet uh, and talk about how we can be better at loving people. So let's take a look at it. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 says, Thou shalt not covet. And then it expands on it. It says, Don't covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's male and female servants. Uh, your neighbor's oxen or donkeys, and then it says this, or anything else. <laughs> In other words, think of anything else that you might be coveting, that you shouldn't do either. Now, this service here is full of people who are perfect in keeping the 10th commandment. So really this sermon has been for all the other services. So go ahead and look at all the perfect people that are here. Nobody here has ever coveted or deals with it whatsoever. I'm being facetious. We all deal with it. We all deal with covetousness. You know, we all wished we had something a little bit different. Let's kind of zone in on this just a little bit more. What does it mean to covet? Here's the dictionary definition, to desire earnestly, to long after. Well, I don't think those definitions quite do justice to where God is taking us in this commandment. You need to add kind of the negative side to that, to, dire, to, to desire earnestly in a destructive way, to, to long after in a... Uh, in a way that's gonna cause harm to you and others. That's really more of what coveting is. Why is it destructive? Let me just give you a few thoughts. Coveting can leave you always dissatisfied and never ever grateful. That's a bad place to be. There's so much to be grateful for. Coveting can leave you constantly wanting something else versus celebrating what you have. It can leave you thinking others have it better instead of making your life, your marriage, your family better. It can leave you with a self-centered, unrealistic perspective instead of focusing on others and God first. It can leave you with a self-centered and unrealistic perspective 
It can leave you with a spiraling mindset that leads you to perpetual discouragement instead of encouragement. And you can add to that list. Coveting is a big deal because it's destructive of our relationship with God, our spirit inside us, and our relationship with other people. How does it happen? You know, one thing that I often think about along these lines is we need to somehow contain the carnality of comparison. What I mean by that is it's easy for each of us to compare our lives with other people and say they have it better, they have this, they have that, their family's better, uh, their job's better, their finances are better, their house is better, their car's better, their kids are better, their this is better, their that's better. And if we're not careful, we can get sucked into that mindset. And I think there are a few things that can kind of contribute to that. Social media is one of them. I think, uh, you know, I am uh, not here to bash social media because I'm actually grateful for it. You know, Lisa and I have uh, three sons who loved us so much, they all moved away as far away as they could, as quickly as they could. <laughs> and without social media, man, we'd be, we'd be lost. And uh, two have been in Europe until recently, and now one's in Kentucky with my two grandchildren, and one's in uh, Colorado, so that's an easier trip. One's in Arizona, yada, yada, yada. Well, you know, when my grandson Rowan calls up, that, I mean, that's the, that's the joy of my life. At that moment, I'm not thinking about any of you people, sorry. I, I don't mean to be mean about it, but I mean, you know, if I answer the phone first, it's, where's Grandma Cisa? Not hi, Papa, but where's Grandma Cisa? If she answers first, it's, where's Papa? And then quickly, where's Rex? And uh, I mean, talk about fun. And he shows us what he's building and drawing, and, and we take him around the house and show him uh, Rex the dog and the two rabbits, and we walk outside, and we talk about uh, our friend, the owl, who lives in the woods behind our house, who I named Brad, because Brad sounds like a great name for an owl. Uh, and... Uh, you know, where would we be without FaceTime, you know, or, or text messaging or, you know, all of that stuff. So that's great. But, but the problematic part of social media that we all truly understand is that 99.9% .9 of what you see on social media, uh, Facebook, things of that nature, usually represent the best life of other people, typically, not always. And if you don't contain the comparison of carnality, if when you're going through a tough time or a difficult season or things are a little bit sideways or upside down, you can kind of get the feeling that everybody is having their best life except me. And if you don't get control on that, it can kind of weigh you down, take you down, become a heavy, heavy thing. I was at a pastor's meeting a couple weeks ago, and one of the pastors said, man, one of the things that has just been so surprising to me these last two or three years is the shallowness of Christians. And I need to follow up with him to, you know, talk to him more about what he thought about that. I have my own thoughts. But, but I think shallowness in general is something that coveting feasts on. I mean, it, it's just a ripe environment for covetousness to flourish if we're not anchored deep in Christ. And Paul talks to us about that, and we're going to look at a few scriptures in a moment, but, but we need to make sure that we uh, are deeply rooted, and it's not shallow, but it's deep, so that when the winds and storms of life come, it doesn't blow us out of the ground, but we are steadfast and firm and deeply, deeply rooted. And then, of course, sin, covetousness is a sin. It's one of the big ten. It must be a big deal because it made the top ten list. 
Have you ever thought about why some things are in the top 10 and some didn't make it? Coveting is one of the top 10. God knew something about how destructive it could be in all of our lives. So what is the antidote? To me, there are a couple of things. I need to maximize generosity, and I need to pursue contentment. These are two spiritual disciplines that the Bible talks a lot about that curb us, bend us away from the carnality of comparison, from covetousness, things of that nature. We need to be anchored in Christ, of course, foremost. But but these two disciplines I'd like for us to talk about in these few moments, as we beat covetousness, as we overcome and fulfill God's command, do not covet. So let's take a look at making a commitment to maximize generosity. Now, I've listed a few verses here. Uh, One of them is Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. It says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Just before that, it says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. The generous person is the one that's going to be blessed. God smiles on the heart of generosity. Matthew 6, 19 to 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? Is it all about serving me, myself, and I, or are we generous with what God has blessed us with? Malachi 3, 8 through 10, will a man rob God? Bring the whole tithe, that first 10%, into the storehouse. We give our first 10% to the Lord. And then more beyond that, as he enables us. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Put your hope in God. Be generous and willing to share. In this way, you will lay up treasures in heaven. And probably my favorite verse on generosity, from the most generous heart of all, is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one son. And Jesus Christ gave and came and gave his one life. And we're going to talk about that a lot starting next week. So, four summarizing principles. Let me share them real quickly. Generosity is commanded and modeled by God, and we are no more like Christ than when we give. For God so loved the world, he gave. Jesus came and gave his life. So a great question to ask ourselves, to ask myself, is am I generous? Am I Am I giving, am I sharing to the degree God in, uh, encourages me to? Giving takes focus off self, places on God and others. Generosity blesses the heart of God, meets others' needs, and matures us. And generosity bends my carnal nature. We are born into this world with a bend toward the carnal, the sinful, the selfish. And there are spiritual di- disciplines like generosity that begin to bend us <laughs> toward the spiritual. And if we don't give generously, if we don't tithe, if we don't give to the needs of others, if we don't support missions, whatever the things we do uh, and talk a lot about, if we don't don't help others, you know, we're just going to continue moving this direction. Generosity bends my heart and my mindset in a different direction. I have people ask me periodically, Rob, I I haven't gotten into giving. Uh, How do I get started? And I say, you know, make the foundation the tithe. That's the first 10%. I started this when I was a a 12-year-old, probably even earlier than that, but a 12-year-old on my first paper route. 
And you, we just give 10%. So whether you make a little, it's 10. Whether you make a lot, it's 10. And that's God's economy and God's plan. And that bends our heart toward him and toward generosity. And, uh, you know, that's where we start. There's a few scriptures, Old and New Testament, that talk about that. And then on top of that, what we teach here at the church and what I, uh, Lisa and I apply in our own lives is on top of that, you know, you, you try to find needs that you can meet, you know, special needs that surface and opportunities to bless others. And then, of course, give regularly as you're able to global missions. That's a big thing here at our church. We support missionaries and that kind of thing. So above and beyond our tithe, we give to that. And then above and beyond our tithe, we contribute to almsgiving as you're able. Uh, almsgiving is another way of uh, saying the Bethany Compassion Center, helping the poor, the disenfranchised, those that need a hand up, those that need encouragement. And these are ways that we can help. You know, special needs, over $15,000 has come in for Ukraine, crisis relief, that's one example of that. And uh, I just thank you for your generosity. And this church is full of generous people, and I thank God for you. Uh, may we all grow in that area, though, because I think it's true that we all, starting with me, can grow, and so God help us grow. So I think generosity is an antidote to covetousness, but also we see here contentment. Make it your purpose to pursue contentment. I am not saying this, Philippians 4 says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. Paul says, for I have learned to be content. Circle that word learned, especially in your mind. Learn. It is a learned quality. It's a learned characteristic. It is a spiritual growth discipline. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I think if I took a poll here, probably every hand would go up and would say, I have learned what it's like to be in need. <laughs> now, let me tell you about the tough season. And then many would say, I've learned what it's like to, you know, have what I need. Um, there are seasons in life. There are challenges in life. And Paul drives it home. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, whatever the circumstances are. I've learned to be content in any and every situation. Let me uh, take a little, have you take a little test. So how content are you? Fill in this statement. I will be happy when dot, 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 dot. When I make more money, I get a better job, I get a new house, I get a new car, I get married, um, you know, we have children, uh, I get out of debt, did I say I get out of debt? Uh, <laughs> you know, fill in the blank, graduate from high school, graduate from college, uh, find money to go to college, I mean, you know, the list is long, the list is long. And the longer the list, probably the less contented we are. I will be happy when, dot, dot, dot. Well, let me share a few guiding principles that come from uh, Philippians chapter 4, the scripture we just read. One of the things Paul says, if you're going to learn, Rob, to be content, you need to pursue contributing over accumulating. You need to pursue giving uh, and not just getting. Obviously, we need to make a living, but, but we also need to focus on giving and sharing with others. That's at the center of the heart of God. I have learned to be content, verse 11. Now, in Philippians chapter 4, and certainly uh, uh, in the entire book of Philippians, he talks about generosity and giving and sharing. That comes up an awful lot as a theme. Contentment, again, he says here in verse 11, is a learned trait. And it serves us well in all kinds of circumstances. 
One of the ways we show contentment is by our generosity. Measure your fulfillment not by what you accumulate, but by what you contribute. Ask yourself where you fit on this getting, giving continuum. Now, probably not anyone here is, you know, batting a thousand percent, you know, in either extreme here. But where are we? Are we, are we more about giving? Are we kind of on that side of the ledger, if you will? Or are we more about giving? Where, where are we? And are we at a place that honors God, that we're growing in generosity? Am I growing? How can I give more? How can I share more? You know, this idea of, of, of giving more always hits us <laughs> where it hurts the most, it feels like. How can we give more money? How can we give more time? How can we give more energy? (laughs) The three things that we feel we have the least to give, and yet Christ is calling us to be very generous in those ways. Keep your lives free, Hebrews says, from the love of money and be content with what you have. Number two, pursue Christ over circumstances. Verse 12 says, I know it is, in, is to be in need. I know it is, is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Paul is saying contentment is not a matter of our wallet. It's really a matter of our heart. It's not dependent on the condition of my circumstances. It's dependent on the condition of my heart. Let me ask you this. Can you, can I only be content when times are good and when our needs are small and where everything seems to be going in a good direction, is that the only time I can be content? Many would say yes. <laughs> Paul would say absolutely no. Where is Paul when he's writing these words here? He's on death row. How many have been on death row recently? One, two, three. Okay. Uh, we need to talk after church. I need to know kind of the details. Uh, He's on death row. And, and this is after being shipwrecked and beaten half to death and, you know, stoned and, you know, left without all sorts of resources and help. I, I mean, here's a guy that knows a little bit about what it means to have plenty and to have nothing. And he says, I've learned to be content in either circumstance. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 12:10. I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, and difficulties, but when I am weak, it's then that I'm strong. He says in 1 Timothy 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. You've heard the statement, you can't take it with you. You've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Anybody ever... Ever heard that before? <laughs> well, now you have, I guess. But, uh, you know, we've heard it said, do your giving while you're living, then you'll be knowing where it's going. You know, that's a, a great generosity statement. You know, we can't take it with us, so what are we doing now when we have an t- opportunity to bless God and bless other people, bless God's work with our faithful giving? You know, this is an illustration that uh, you've heard before, and certainly I've used before, you know, you, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. My, my whole paradigm was jacked up a few years ago, and it came to my mind when I was looking at this picture. I actually was driving down the road one day, and I saw a U-Haul truck pulling a hearse. No lie. <laughs> and I immediately thought of this illustration. I thought, now what in the world does that mean? 
Uh, I'll have to work on that for another time. But obviously somebody was moving a lot of stuff, and they just so happened to own a hearse that they needed to pull, I guess. Um, Look at verse 13. Paul says, pursue faith over fear. This is something that will lead to contentment in our life as well. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, fear is a big, big deal in our society, in our lives right now. And I know within the sound of my voice and all the various services, there are people, if you are honest with yourself, you are battling fear. And I want to encourage you, God is there for you. Look at this verse. I can do all this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I've kind of parsed this out, you know, uh, in the uh, NIV uh, translation. I can do, I can do it. I can do everything. There's nothing insurmountable. Through him, not through me, through him who gives me, lavishly pours out to me whatever I need, namely strength. I can do everything through him. What are you dealing with here today? God wants to help you. He wants to give you strength. Our contentment ultimately is not found in our own strength, but it's found in his strength. And finally, pursue trust over worry. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a powerful promise? Let's say it out loud together, everybody. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Parse that one out a little bit as well. My God, not somebody else's God, my personal Lord and Savior will meet all of my needs, not all my wants, but all of my needs. He's there for me. He's got my back. According to his glorious riches, he has everything we will ever need, plus so much more, in Christ Jesus. Trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord, the psalmist says. Let me close with this verse. Malachi, excuse me, Matthew 6, 25 and following. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. It lists a bunch of things to worry, that you could worry about. And then it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. You know, this commandment on covetousness, when you zoom in, you know, it says one thing, but when you kind of step back and kind of look at the bigger biblical picture about how you overcome covetousness, a couple of things become very, very clear pretty quick. Generosity and learning to be content are two major antidotes to overcoming this sin. And I don't know where everybody's at here today, but I know that we all grapple in all of these 10, the big 10. And part of growing and becoming a more devoted follower of Jesus Christ is is to gain ground on each of them. And one of the ways we gain ground on covetousness is to be deeply generous and to learn to be content in all circumstances. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? And I would like to, first of all, address people that are seeking a relationship in Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to talk to believers. But if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Rob, I've been kicking the tires of faith and I've been trying to find my way. Maybe you're listening online. Maybe you're in this service right here. I've been kicking the tires of faith and I really want to find my way to Christ. 
I want his forgiveness for my sin. Uh, I, I, I want him to uh, give me fulfillment in my life. I want to learn contentment. I want to find hope in Christ. I just believe in my heart of heart that now is the time for me to commit my life, to take the step, and to fully devote myself to Christ. And if that's you, friend, I want you just to pray a prayer. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. A simple prayer like that where you're committing your life to follow him. And if you pray that prayer, I ask you to do one thing. Tell me about it. Fill out that connection card in front of you if you're seated in the worship center or there's one online, there's one on the app. I would so desperately appreciate hearing from you. Today I prayed the prayer. Today I committed my life to Christ because we want to respond to you with some next step help. If you're a believer here today, I just want to encourage you to ask yourself the question before God, Lord, what's kind of the next step for me in my growth? How can I become more generous? Uh, how can I learn more about contentment? And just simply ask the Lord to teach you, to, 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 to open your heart to new ways to learn and grow in these two areas. I'd like to invite everybody to stand. I want to uh, offer a closing prayer. And then we're going to sing a final song before we're dismissed, and uh, Pastor Danny will dismiss us in a moment. But after I pray, our prayer team will be here, and they would love to pray with you. In fact, prayer team, go ahead and come on down now. Maybe you would like to share a special need that you have, or maybe you'd like to stand in for someone. Or maybe you'd like to extend the prayer for the Roca family. Or maybe there's something else on your heart or mind that has nothing to do with what we talked about here today. But, but you just want to spend a moment in prayer. I just want to invite you to step out as we sing in just a moment. But first let me pray and then we're going to sing. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that is powerful to teach us the way of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for all of us here today that we will learn to become the people more and more and more that you want us to be. For those, Lord, who are making a Christ commitment here today, committing or recommitting their life to Christ, I pray that the power of the living God will flood their life. And Lord, you'll give them encouragement and hope and help them with their next steps. Some that will take the step soon to be water baptized like these 12 people who are baptized today. And I pray for those who have known the Lord for a season. Lord, we all want to grow, become more like you. So teach us to be more generous and teach us to grow in contentment, to learn contentment. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing and then we'll be dismissed in a moment. God bless you.